welcome to this week's episode of Unlocked, the podcast to help inspire success in your business and to help you live the best version of yourself. I'm your host, Ricky Locke, a magician, speaker, behavioral trainer, and lover of Nando's. This week's episode was recorded live a few weeks ago at Field Trip Online. Field Trip Online is a session organized by Sarah Rudder and John Bartlett for like-minded people wanting to take an adventure into self-development. In this session, we made a trip to the peak to take a deep dive and understand what is peak performance. Joining me in this episode is Steph Jevons and Chris Mooney, two amazing people that share so much value about imposter syndrome, resilience, the habits required to create peak performance, and I think you're gonna find a lot of value from this episode. And as a bonus this week, you can actually watch the full video conversation of this podcast recorded live from Field Trip, and there's a link in the show notes and you can watch the video on YouTube. As usual, I send out tips, tricks, and free value that you can implement in your business right now to create success. If you'd like to receive those free emails, then head over to wikilock.co.uk forward slash unlocked and grab your tips right now. As always, many thanks for following and supporting and liking the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me and I read every single review. So thank you for taking the time to review this podcast. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unlocked, the Ricky Lock podcast. And we are recording this episode live at Field Trip. Yay! Yay! Brilliant, that went as best as it could. Thank you very much for doing that, thank you. So joining me today for a discussion on peak performance is two amazing guests, Chris Mooney and Steph Jevons. Now, Chris is a mindset and resilience facilitator and coach from Chris Mooney Learning, who helps people to switch off their autopilot responses and develop their resilience for life's challenges at home and at work. And my other guest is Steph Jevons, who is the first Brit to circumnavigate the globe and travel across all seven continents on a motorcycle. Lovely to see you both. How are you? Good? Hi. Good. Really good. good. Sun well, is shining you. in Bournemouth. Oh, brilliant. Is it's it? a beautiful day to record a live podcast then. Well, thank you for joining us and really looking forward to this conversation. There are people that are live in this audience as well. So as I said, if you have any questions, please let John know. And then we'll field those as we go later on. But before we start, I think it's really important to just make a big thank you to both Sarah and John from obviously uh, Field Trip for hosting this wonderful opportunity. So my thanks to both you two. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. So I think we should have a little chat about peak performance. And Steph, traveling around the world is not a, um, a simple task, I would say, and especially on a motorcycle as well. So I'm going to ask a generic question to you. What does peak yep. performance mean to you? Well, uh, to me, I guess it means um, being the best you can, you know, performing to the best of your abilities. Uh, and that is only gauged by yourself, I guess, not against anybody else, but, but uh, how you feel within yourself. And um, yeah, just, just being as, as positive as you can. And just as a bit of a backstory, Obviously, this wasn't just a thing that happened uh, overnight. This was a long thing that was prepared for to create this adventure. And I believe it was over, was it four years? Yeah, the journey itself was four years. The planning was even longer and, and the seed was planted even longer ago, you know, about 20 years before that. But, but the trip itself took four years. Uh, it, it was intended to be 18 months, although I kind of hoped it would take longer. That to me was a success. It meant that I was doing OK and finding ways to overcome things. So, um, yeah. so yeah. And how does anybody choose to just decide that I want to go travel around the world? How did you get into that mindset? Or what was the seed, as you said, 20 years ago that, that planted that? 
Well, I wasn't in such a great place to it. Well, it was actually 25 years ago now. I stopped counting a long time ago, but but um, I was young and I was quite foolish and I was in a bad place in my life mentally. Um, and um, yeah, just not things weren't particularly going well for me. I, uh, I was heavily involved in drugs. I, I got myself into a lot of trouble and I ended up in prison. And from that, I could have gone one of two ways and um, I, I very nearly went the other way, but, but uh, thankfully I took that as a, as a, a springboard, I suppose, to, to change my life and my mindset uh, and pretty much my, everything about my, about my life and, um, and my outlook particularly. And I made the decision that uh, this was going to be where I came back and, and where I started, because I, I lost a lot of my life, not only from drugs, but also from, from the prison sentence itself. It gives you time to think, that's for sure. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure I would change it, although you know, that's, a, that's a quite a strong thing to say. But I, I think it certainly, I, I found myself in, in, in that dark time. And, and that really gave me some drive um, and some motivation, I suppose, to, um, to, to go forward. And I made the decision that I, I wanted to see more of the world. I wanted to make something of myself and um, I had something to prove to myself, I guess. Um, and so um, I literally wrote a to-do list that said, get off drugs, get out of prison, travel the world. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and in that order, and, and that's what I did. It took me a while. I did a lot of travel in that 20 years, but then I always had this big itch that needed scratching and I wanted to do a big journey, you know, something that was really kind of... Um, yeah, I had a, a few smaller goals in between. Like I wanted to go and see the orangutans. Um, I wanted to see a baobab tree. And I thought, I'm going to go just travel, see the orangutans. And then eventually it became, I'm going to travel all seven continents on a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and what motorbike was it as well? It was a Honda CRF250L. So not what at the time people would have potentially thought was a great bike to travel, <laughs> long distance travel. Um, more and more people are doing that now. They're going for smaller bikes. It's not such a, a big deal anymore, whereas it, it, it kind of was at the time. People said I was crazy. I wouldn't make it. The bike wouldn't make it. There was quite a few, quite a lot of negativity and a lot of positivity as well. But, but you know, I, I did get, I had to overcome quite a lot of um, negative comments. And, um, and of course, you know, that they fuel you as well after a while. But, uh, but yeah, the 250 was, um, was actually turned out to be a great bike for the journey. Brilliant. Yeah. And I think you said it really well there about those those comments and negative views. It kind of builds into that resilience of uh, even making the decision to go ahead. But then one of the things that you did was that you were solo, wasn't you? It wasn't that you were doing yeah. this with a team. This was purely a solo adventure. Now, one of the things that I'm really interested in in terms of hitting peak performance is mindset. We talk about this a lot in the podcast and for a lot of people listening. It's all about how to create that success. But how do you even have that mindset what fuels that mindset for you to say i'm going to go achieve this this wonderful thing which isn't just a simple task it's a, a you know a fantastic achievement and congratulations to you but what fuels that mindset to achieve that well you know i, I think um doing it on my own was important because i think it's very easy if you if you're doing it with somebody else hey, no, i mean nobody's going to go with me anyway right it was crazy enough to go with me but, <laughs> yeah. but um i i think that I had to do it on my own because it was my personal selfish thing. I, I had to be selfish. I wanted to achieve something. It was a personal goal. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was always just, you know, like I said, that, that the hard times kind of fueled me moving forward. And um, 
that that drive and ambition because I had a goal to, to go out there and do something and come hell or high water I was determined to do it and find a way to do it so yeah mm. oh, brilliant I think it's a really important thing to understand especially with you know the, the whole resilience and uh, making tough decisions because I guess when you're faced on your own around the world you've got no crew you've got no support you are literally against the odds and I know that for anybody watching if you go check out some of the videos from Steph you'll see lots of amazing videos you also did a uh, another trek with some ladies on some bikes to um was it the Himalayas the Everest base camp in Everest. Tibet yeah <laughs> and, and there's a great example in that video where I think one of the riders uh, falls off they I think they might have broken their ankle suspectedly broken their ankle you're yeah. up against the odds it's terrible terrain how do you make those decisions to carry on and achieve that peak performance where, like we were talking earlier on in an earlier session today with John about a false summit, how do you progress forward through that when you are completely up against the odds? Well, that was totally totally different experience because it was working as a team and uh, and you've got to have a different mindset there again. But um, and, and I didn't feel like I led those women. I felt like I worked with those women. And um, you've really got to find your sense of humour in those times because we we had landslides. We had the worst conditions possible. Absolutely, you know, the worst that they, they could have been. Um, the rain was historically bad, and uh, the mud was to you know was just like a quagmire. But, and we had a long way to go, plus altitude, plus, as you said, we had a broken ankle. We, we had a, a couple of injuries in the end and um, waterfalls to get through as well, which was, which was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, we had one girl, call, I call her, called her Karen Waterboard Anderson after that because, because she got <laughs> stuck under the waterfall. But she kept going. It was cold. We were breathing extremely heavily, heavily because of the altitude and, um, and people were really fighting all the elements. And we kept going, working as a team. And, and I think the sense of humor is the most important thing there. Mm. Um, we were all physically tired and, and it could have been, it, it would have been so easy to start sort of getting angry with each other and to start really getting irritable. But everybody worked together from this, you know, on the same mindset to we were going to get through this. I don't think anybody actually, I, I've, I've certainly in all my tough times, I don't think I've ever considered stopping as an option um, mm. Although you do have to reassess and, and ask yourself, is this still important to me? I think that's important. If you if you just carry on regardless, mm. um, then you know you know sometimes you miss the point that okay, well this isn't for me. But um, there's nothing wrong with saying this isn't for me. That's not failure. But I think um, just reassessing and going, yeah, no, this is important, and I am going to carry on. And when you're you're physically tired and mentally tired you know you just let brute force and ignorance take over that that's my key weapon <laughs> <laughs> brute force yeah. and ignorance works every time absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah and I guess when you're on your own as well you've got that inner voice having you talking to you and you've got to separate between the logical and the you know the rational and the emotional part of that brain to you know hear the right things you want to hear to like you said just carrying on and I, I guess for for Chris um in your line of work as a resilience coach you may face loads of decisions like that as well, such as, you know, the mindset to to progress through and hit that peak performance. But a lot of this comes obviously from the brain. We talked about this, how Steph had this wonderful mindset. What do you experience when you talk to people in your line of work around peak performance about mindset? Well, it's like, oh man, how do I follow that? It's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even... I didn't even ride a bicycle. Like, I got a massive scar on my head when I fell off a bicycle. So, fair <laughs> juice, though. 
um, I, I think there's so much interesting stuff going on there with our brain. And um, in fact, it's something I, I'm going to talk about more in, in my two o'clock session on the field trip today, because it does so much to try and keep us safe while at the same time tripping us up. At the, you know, um, have you, you know, have you ever had one of those times, for example, where you just replay your biggest fail? on loop in your head again and again and again um, and our, our brain has this habit of telling us that we're not good enough that we're going to fail and it's all for good reason because it's trying to protect us and keep us alive and keep us safe and going um, and um, I think one one of the really important things is to acknowledge that that is an illogical voice in our head it's not based in reality um, and yeah. so I think once we start to get better at switching off that autopilot and actually recognizing it for what it is it's irrational we can then start to do something about it and bring in our logical part of our brain and um, to manage that whether it's that inner critic or whether it's that imposter syndrome definitely yeah it plays a massive part into it doesn't it and i think especially the current circumstances that we're in now if nobody has realized we're in a global pandemic um and it's quite crazy in the world right now um, especially over America, but we won't dwell onto that one. But Chris, obviously in your line of work with the teams and the businesses that you work with, what are the things that you uh, kind of see like um, responses from people about trying to, to get through that right now, especially with the circumstances playing into that and adding that extra layer of, um, you know, Sarah says mental toughness and resilience. What do you see there in that line of work? Um, I think what Steph was talking about earlier is so important. In I see the people who are, let's call them really, keeping strong and, and actively developing their resilience, I see them reflecting on their story. So of everything that Steph talked about, about her, her story and, and what's led her to where she is, we've all got our own story. And I think that for me is so important to take stock of where does our resilience come from? Because of course we all have different levels of it. And not just that, we have different levels at different points, depending on what we're faced with. Um, so I think that's the starting point and the end. I, see, I work with a lot of people who, let's say, don't actively manage or develop their own resilience or their own mindset in, in any particular way. Not just now, but like you, like you say, you know, our first pandemic is that um, it becomes really telling who does and who doesn't and how it can <laughs> how it can help and support us. And so some of the stuff I see people resort to uh, that we've all done in our lives is that I, I work with lots of people who tell me that they can't change. Um, or that they haven't got what it takes. Um, and I think that there can be some quite unhealthy coping mechanisms that we develop when we are in that mindset, because that, I mean, that can look on a scale of seriousness from sticking our head in the sand or not asking for help, trying to stay strong for everyone around us, um, uh, going on from, and that gets us through a little bit, but not in the long term. Um, and then, I mean, some people say, well, yeah, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, or they say, I haven't got time for that mindset stuff because that's all, you know, that's all soft skills or fluffy. That's the word they use. That's all fluffy. And then something like this hits, so they, okay, who's fluffy now? <laughs> it's like, how, how resilient are you feeling on a scale of one to 10? Yes. I can certainly echo that when I was in my behavioral training role back in Argos, where I'd walk into a room and it'd be like, all oh, right, here comes the uh, the fluffy guys to do this. Well, actually, no. Yeah. As you said now, look, he's laughing now. <laughs> anyway, um, great response there, uh, both Chris and Steph there. So thank you for that. I think we'll at this point just uh, stop for a second to head over to John. Uh, John, have we got any questions for both Chris and Steph or me? 
nobody's put a specific question into me yet. I think that's because people have been really, um, I think, taken by, uh, by the stories. I guess something that I'd quite like to know is um, from Steph, what would you do differently if you had the same trip again? I know it was kind of forced by different circumstances and things, but if you'd like, if someone said to you, okay, you can go around the world again, what's the kind of the one thing you would, you would change about it? Um, well, you know, I think I would probably, I don't know, it's just a tough one because I, I felt like the thing that got me round was, was having the goal and the end mission. But the thing that also was a detriment at times was the goal and the end mission. So, um, like I, I was constantly like, I've got to, got to keep going because of this. So no matter how bad it gets, I kept, kept focused on that end goal, but sometimes it also stopped me from slowing down when I should have done or taking my time or enjoying and I, I did that to a point but so so what I would what I what I would love to do is is to do it again but kind of without that end goal <laughs> and that would be a completely different journey um, but the first trip had to be like that and and I do work well to goals I, I do like to have a mission and, and a challenge but I'd also like to learn to just you know take my time. I even find that when I'm walking in the woods, I, I like to have something to do as I'm walking in the woods. I walk fast. I tend to, you know, I, I, and I'm telling myself now to slow down and take my time and stop and literally smell the flowers, you know. Um, so I'd like to be able to do it again without a sort of uh, a mission only, but uh, just to go out and enjoy myself and see if I could do it. I'm not sure I could. <laughs> So, I have to wait a while with uh, the current circumstances. <laughs> yeah, but I, I tell you what I did um, really relate to was Chris saying about the imposter complex. Now that I'd never heard of before. And, and I, I remember leaving on, on my first day going, any minute now, people are going to realise I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. And, um, you know, ah, they're going to see me for what, for the imposter that I am. And actually... And I didn't know that was a thing. I thought that was just in my head. And I wish that somebody told me that before. Um, and, and actually people weren't looking at me thinking that I knew what I was doing. They were supporting me because I was giving it a go, you know? Um, and yeah, I wish, I wish I'd have known that sooner. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. And what I love Steph is that so many more of us are starting to talk about it now and it's become a, a recognized thing. Um, where, but isn't that interesting though? Because I remember not that long ago, even going back a few years, nobody was talking about it, a bit like mental health, that taboo. And suddenly so people start to open up and they go, oh, wow, what you get that as well? I thought that was just me, thought it was yeah. going to be discovered as a fraud. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's all that, all that inner voice is going, no, you don't want to do that because if you do that, you'll fail. And if you fail, you'll look stupid. And if you look stupid and, and on it goes. Um, yeah, fascinating. And, and yet we are we are all so similar and, and it's also relatable. It's just bizarre that we weren't we weren't sharing that sooner. Yeah. yeah. Great answers. Thank you, guys. We're going to hand over to Mark. Mark, you've got a question for Steph and for Chris. Yeah, I've got two questions, one for each. I'll go with Steph first. So, Steph, during your trip, um, what was your lowest point um, or any time that you kind of second guessed yourself as to whether you'd be able to complete the trip? And how did you kind of snap yourself out of that mindset and change? And then Chris, for you, as we kind of head in England into um, a new COVID lockdown, what are your kind of top tips um, to prepare our kind of mental mindsets to maintain top performance throughout lockdown? Well, Steph, do you want to go first? 
Okay, um, well, the two actually spring to mind, um, and I'm going to choose one. Um, and I guess it was um, when I was in in North America, um, I had a lot of injuries. Um, so I was suffering from chronic pain by then. Um, I had a frozen shoulder, so I couldn't move my arm beyond the handlebars, uh, you know, couldn't rise, raise it up. Um, I had back pain. I was suffering from pain anxiety and um, all, all sorts of things. Somebody coughed next to me and I'd be <laughs> jumpy and it was quite a bizarre thing. And I, and I had to question um, why I was doing it and whether I should carry on at that point. Um, and again, the decision, what, the, what came back was, yes, it was still important, but I had to reassess and change things slightly. So I got to, um, I had to be good to myself. I was beating myself up for such a long time and fighting through the pain, had to be strong, had to be tough. And, and actually the best thing I needed to do, you know, the best thing I could do was actually just be kind to myself and be, and be you know, just be gentle and remember that I'm not a machine. Um, and so I, I took time out. I mean, I, I had no choice in the end really, but I took time out when I was in Canada and um, I, I was just, I got treatment. I ended up in A&E. Um, and uh, and and then I, I decided to just change my plan, but not go home. So so it was a case of um, actually no, I did go home, but not 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 finished. So I, I decided to go home for a few weeks, see my dog, you know, see my family. Um, people were then telling me you you've got to stop. You've done enough. And I'm like, no, I haven't done enough. But I, I promise I'll be kinder to myself. Um, <laughs> and then a few weeks later, I, I was, I, I said to myself, if I, by the time I can walk up a mountain, because I, I live right at the foot of Snowden, by the time I can climb a mountain, I'm, I'm back on the bike again, I'm flying back. And, and it was a few weeks and, and I climbed a mountain, right, I'm going. And everyone said, you need more time. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm good. And like a child who's promised that, you know, I, I promise I'll be good if you, you know, if, if the dog gets better or whatever. Then I, those promises went out the window and I was straight back on the bike way sooner than I should have been. But um, I, I, I learned a few things and that was to just slow it down and, and, and be a bit kinder to my body. Um, so yeah, it was just a case of reassessing at that stage. I think it's an important message, isn't it? Right now, you know, to slow down and be kind uh, to your body because I think you can risk that damage can't you of, of going into burnout or into a meltdown i certainly felt that this year where i thought well i can now got the time now to just progress and hit all these things i wanted to hit but in the long run it didn't actually pay off and i should have just stopped slowed down reflected been grateful for what i had and just be kind to myself because you're just pushing yourself to the edge aren't you so yeah, yeah. great question great answer there thank you steph and to chris um your question if you can remember your question from mark Yes, I can. It was about top tips for the new lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like a bit like a COVID briefing, isn't it, with the questions? It's like I made a little note of it, Mark. Thank <laughs> you. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I should probably frame these in the fact that, yeah, I'm going to hit you with my few top tips. Um, uh, they all sit in this place of doing something tangible to help your resilience rather than that cheesy old, you know, keep your chin up or hope for the best or that kind of stuff. Because at a time like this, I, I don't feel that that's particularly helpful. It, it holds a little bit of sway. Um, and then, of course, some people, particularly UK and elsewhere, they're going straight from local lockdowns into another full month of national lockdowns. So the first tip being keep perspective. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? But it's in the moment uh, of a huge change. It's so easy to forget that perspective. And 
I think what I mean by that is go with the ebb and the flow. So take advantage of the good days and maximize the good days and don't beat yourself up for the bad days because we, we'll have all had those many of those this year. Um, and we have a habit, again, of trying to stay strong and so on. Um, so we try and force ourselves out of them or force ourselves to, to, to feel better. Um, and we can't rush these things. So I think keep that perspective, recognize that things will get better. Things will, th this is a really tough year. There have been tough years before and there will be tough years again. Um, and so just keep that perspective. Um, the second one being something that we touched on earlier, really, that element of focusing on what you can control or influence. Um, and and I get, just to add a little bit of context to that, I think that we spend so much time either living in the past or worrying about the future um, uh, that we focus so much on what might happen or what if and don't get me wrong again just a quick caveat there is a lot of stuff going wrong at the minute you know we're talking big stuff like personal professional you know bereavement there's some big stuff going on but it's trying to stay focused on the stuff that in all likelihood may well never happen and if it does it's about developing those resilience reserves so that you've got them there for when you need them and then the final quick one is just to be kind be kind to yourself be kind to others um, support each other and do what you can to support yourself so what I mean again is that we see so many people coming out of the woodwork and I'm I'm cautious to lump Steph and I in with this crowd but you get these kind of so-called experts coming out at a time like this and they say oh, well, isn't this a brilliant opportunity? But like Ricky's just mentioned, to um, write that book that you've always been wanting to write or to Marie Kondo your whole house or to, I don't know what, what it might be. Um, there is no requirement to do that during these times. Sometimes just getting up and having the resilience to get through the day and to make it out the other end is more than enough. So just be kind. It's a great answer, Chris. Uh, the first point you mentioned reminds me of a phrase that's in this book, if anyone's read it, the art of being brilliant. And he talks about how it's okay to uh, have a bad day. It's not okay to have a bad life. You know, there will be periods probably where you might have those wallow days, as they mentioned in Sumo, the hippo time, but it's not okay to have a bad life. You know, um, like you said, could be worse, couldn't it? There could be so much more worse uh, things going on. And I remember talking to Sarah and uh, both Bev, who are listening in the audience right now, is that the things around us as well that we can be grateful for, you know, I'm very grateful for, you know, being here, I've got a, a lovely warm room, I've got food on the table, it's, it could be far worse. And there are people out there in, in very terrible, um, you know, circumstances. So if you are going to have those bad days, that's okay. Just um, remember that, you know, it's not okay to have a bad life. Be kind, um, spread some magic, spread some kindness, people. Right. Okay, Katia, you uh, have a lovely question as well. So Katia, over to you, please. Hi, thank you. Um, hi, my, this is Katia. Um, this is a question for Steph. Um, so Steph, you mentioned that when you're on your travels, um, you felt like you were an imposter before you even knew the, the concept of the imposter syndrome. So my question to you, Steph, is what helped you realise that you weren't an imposter and you, you know, you were, you were doing your thing and you were good at it? Well, it, I had four years to think about it. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I had what I call my helmet time, which is um, which is just time on my own in my helmet. And um, it, is, it is a good time to reflect. And it's kind of like my meditation. And, um, and, and, and I realized that you don't need to be an expert and you learn as you go. And actually, I was doing it. So therefore, 
you know, I'm not an imposter. And, and I think as I hit those little goals, I mean, I, when I left, I, I said, I'm going to ride on all seven continents. And I had absolutely no idea how I was going to achieve that. I didn't have the answers to everything. I was no good at mechanics. I had only Welsh and English under my belt as for languages. I didn't have any martial arts experience. I'm not particularly even a good <laughs> rider, even to, even to this day, you know, I don't have, I'm not a great rider. I have no special skills, but um, I got through it. And, and therefore I'm, I'm not an imposter, you know? And I think that the, the problem is you don't need to know everything and have all the answers before you leave to, to give it a go and, and to just go for it as long as you're giving it your all. You know, I still have days where I think, Oh, you know, I, I walk into a room full of people, of expert people, and I think I shouldn't be on this panel or I shouldn't be here. And then I think, oh, well, why not? You know, why shouldn't I be? Um, I, I've got, you know, what I have to say is, is, you know, hopefully useful to somebody or beneficial to somebody. And I get feedback occasionally from people saying, thank you so much for that. That inspired me to do something or that, that you know, encouraged me to whatever. Um, and And that reassures me that, you know, I, that what, what I have to offer is valid, I suppose. Um, but overcoming it in the first place is the difficult bit. Once you get going, you, you're, you get all that positive reinforcement. You go, yay, look, I did it. I made it to Antarctica. Ooh, the, what's the next goal, you know? And then that makes you feel, when I got to Antarctica, people, so many people said, for that one example, so many people said to me, it's, you won't be able to make it. it, it's not possible. So many people have tried before you. And when I got there and landed, that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I sat there quietly look, and I had that, what Chris was saying about putting the past and the future behind you. I was literally in that moment. I, I couldn't have been more in that moment. And a little penguin came onto the shore and, and sort of looked at me and I looked back at him and I said hello and I thought, he doesn't, he will, he'll have forgotten about me in two minutes time. You know, he, he's gone and I'm no, I've got no consequence to him. Um, and that's such a lovely mindset that animals have is that living in that moment. And I thought, I can do anything now. I've, 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 I've learned, you know, <laughs> I've learned how to live, you know, to, to root myself in that moment. And, and people said I couldn't do it and I, and I did it. And therefore that gave me the strength to carry on and to try more things and, and keep going. I love that. Great question there, Katia, and a great answer there as well, Steph. I love that living in the moment. That's a lovely phrase that we should probably all probably take away right now. And um, I, I also uh, am quite impressed that you said about martial arts in there. So I was prepared like, oh, my God, what was you going to face on that trip? But um, there's something that rings to bell here, which is the uh, forgive me. I can't remember the surname, but if you've ever seen uh, Catch Me If You Can, uh, Frank, if anybody can tell me what his surname is, then that'd be great. But the guy who was in the uh, Catch Me If You Can, in the true story, when he was caught by the FBI, you know, he never claimed to be uh, an expert in any of it. He, if you've not seen the film, for anyone that's listening right now, he was a pilot, a doctor, uh, some loads of different things that he did. And when he was caught by the FBI, all he said to the FBI was, when they said, how did you do that? Thank, thank you, John. Frank Abagnale. He just said, I was just one chapter ahead of everybody else. He wasn't an expert at all. He was just one step ahead, you know, one chapter ahead. And I think that really rings to the light there, you know, what you said there about Steph, that you don't have to be an expert in these things, you know. Um, right. OK, well, look, before we kind of start to wrap up near the end, there's one question I'd like to ask you both, and that is about habits. And I'd like to find out about what habits are required 
to achieve peak performance. Now, when we think of peak performance, we often associate it in the sporting world with sports psychology and things like that. But I'm really interested to hear both of your habits, uh, both Steph and Chris, when you're achieving peak performance. So Steph, when it's around the world or Chris in your work, what are the habits that help you achieve peak performance? Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I have to. I, I was just thinking, should we start talking about how we all wake up at 5 a.m. and hustle <laughs> and smash it and smash it? Um, and yeah, in terms of habits, I think uh, lots of us, particularly at the minute, we might have that flexibility about how and when we get the work stuff done right now. Um, and that has a new challenge, doesn't it, where it requires that discipline to create the, the habit. Um, but for me, it's about learning. What I try and do is kind of learn my, I've, I know myself well enough now where I know my flow, if that makes sense. So um, I, I work really hard not to create something that's going to go against what fits me naturally um, in terms of my, my habits. Um, I have a strong belief as well as all the great chat we've had on imposter syndrome and all along those lines and in, in mindset. I think it, for anyone else in the audience who can relate to this, it can be a really lonely world um, when you're working on your own, when you are on your own. And, and I think that that needs that element of strong mindset to have confidence in yourself and to to recognize your wins like Steph was talking about you know to really take stock of them and there's nothing wrong with that um and then another habit that springs out for me is that even again maybe more relevant at the minute on those days where we just don't feel like we have what it takes um I really try and force myself to show up so show up for my clients show up for my business show up for my friends and family whoever it might be and, and kind of just try and put myself out there still because um, it just helps me to feel a little bit more like I'm performing at a better level rather than, yeah, we, we've, we've covered, you know, you need those slump days and you need to hide on the sofa with a duvet and Netflix and all that kind of stuff that's needed. But I still try and kind of put myself out there in terms of habits. Thank you, Chris. I, I'm pretty similar, actually. I, I'm a bit of a to-do list girl. So I like to, I like that ticking things off you know and I and I, I you know I, I <laughs> my life always seems a bit random to a lot of people but I do like a routine believe it or not you know and, and I have a colleague dog who's, who's the same we, we, we she'll tell me exactly what time of day it's time to go for a walk now we go two walks a day and I've just mentioned the w word and I can hear her pottering around <laughs> next to me she's like oh are we going now it's a bit early <laughs> but um that to-do list is is a great thing and having some kind of structure Again, I suppose for me, it's the, that goal thing really, isn't it? You know, thinking about it. And um, I like to be able to just, it's a great feeling. It must be a little hit of serotonin or something when you tick that to-do list off. Oh, and yes. even if I've done it, but forgotten to write it down, sometimes I'll write it down just so I can take it off, <laughs> which is really silly. Um, but also um, I, my routines, I always make sure I find time for things like as I mentioned earlier, walking in the woods, I know that breaks me happy. I know that gives me a sense of well-being. And so I always make sure, like so the collie won't let me forget anyway, but I always make sure that's quality time and I'm not just rushing to do it. I, I take my time to go and um, be in, a, in a, a calming sort of environment. So, But routine is really key for me, funnily enough. Yeah, I love that. I'm a massive to-do list fan as well. I, I can't show you the rest of this room because there are just lists everywhere. You'll probably think I'm quite crazy and probably being at home. But um, love that. Thank you, Steph, for that. I guess as we start to kind of veer to the end of this podcast, um, I'd really like to kind of find out what would be your tips right now 
We've talked about lots of things right now, such as imposter syndrome, uh, the habits, obviously, through what's going to be happening uh, in the UK over the next couple of days. But what would be your tips to the listeners of this podcast, to the people in the audience right now, if they're going to be going through a challenge over the next couple of months or even achieving, wanting to achieve peak performance, what would be your tips right now? Uh, let's yeah, go with Chris. Those, yeah, let's go Chris first. Yeah. Um, so I think just in terms of timing for this particular field trip, I think it's perfect because peak performance, well, if I speak personally, I think I'm still striving for peak performance. I'm not sure if we would get there. Um, so I think tip wise, it would be kind of know what you're great at, know what you're good at. Um, know what you need to get better at or what you need to get a bit of support with as well and then um, once you know that kind of on, on top of all the kind of resilience tips I mentioned earlier it's about kind of just start to kind of push that comfort zone a bit and not just so that um, not just so that it can impact your performance but when we start to do that it starts to build us build our confidence it starts to empower us a little bit which is particularly relevant at the minute when everything else feels so out of control um, to just keep going and continuously evolve and, and develop towards whatever peak performance is for you. Love that, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Chris is the expert here. All I can say is what really works for me, and, and that is what I've, what I've already said, really, really, which is working towards goals, um, even if they're tiny little goals, you know, they're just bite-sized chunks, um, just to give yourself that little bit of positive reinforcement. Um, setting a date for things, you know, um, a dream is just a dream until you set a date for it and something to work towards and suddenly you're at the date and you go, oh, I've got to do it now, you know, so um, I think that's quite an important thing, um, some kind of structure to those goals and um, yeah, and just take it one bite at a time and when all else fails, like I said, brute force and ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, yeah, I like that brute force and ignorance, very nice. Uh, thank you, Steph. So uh, we've got one last question actually for Steph and Chris, so uh, over to you, Sarah. Oh, thank you. Um, so my question for Steph was, we've obviously focused in on the journey, but I'm wondering whether um, it was also quite tough to come back to normal life and what that was like. Yeah, coming back was was probably the second, leaving was probably the hardest and, and coming back was probably the second hardest. And, and that was, um, again, I, I keep talking about goals, but I, I'd lost my goal. I, I'd, I'd had that there for a long time and suddenly it wasn't there anymore. Um, also the uh, the the change of and, and the unwillingness to to settle the the fact that I was suddenly I felt like I'd escaped I had this big sort of liberation by keeping on moving and the world wasn't really it didn't I was in it and I was part of it but you know the, the rules that everybody else lived by didn't seem to be they, they weren't my structure anymore. I felt like I'd kind of escaped all that, if that makes sense. Um, I was just passing through whatever I was doing. Coming home suddenly meant, oh, I might get trapped again. Also, there was no map to, to, to follow anymore. Um, where was I? I was always heading to Utopia and suddenly I was, well, where was I? What was I doing now? So it was actually quite a difficult thing. And and the big slump after the high of, of coming home, there was a big drop off. And I, and I think again I had to just remind myself that there are highs and lows and usually after a peak there's often a low and um, you've just got to ride through it and, and keep going and find things to 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 keep you yourself busy while you're getting over that and accepting that it's a normal thing and and that you're not completely crazy. That's a great answer Steph. I think we'll wrap up here with just a final thought here from Bev she's popped in the chat box 
I think it's really important to define what peak performance is for each of us personally and specifically. So we have a measure, a standard that works for us. Not being consciously aware, being intentional about it means we drift or we get disappointed with ourselves. Yeah, love that, Bev. I think that's really, really important. We've all got a different measure of peak performance. And again, to quote the earlier session with John about false summits, I think it is really important to understand what that is, whether it is having a goal, a to-do list like Steph has, and it's identifying what those habits are that will help you then define eventually what that peak performance is. So Steph, Chris, thank you so much for uh, attending the podcast live. Thank you to both John and Sarah from Field Trip Online for this wonderful opportunity. And to all the people that are joined live, um, the listeners who will be listening back to this won't be able to see this visually. Um, but for all the people watching, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Hope you had a good time. Thank you very much and uh, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. A big, huge thank you goes out to Steph and Chris and Sarah and John from Field Trip Online for providing a really great conversation and also a great pleasure to host this podcast live. Maybe we should do more podcasts live. Let me know. Tell me what you think about this episode by heading to Apple Podcasts and leave a lovely little rating. As always, thank you for your continued support. Don't forget to head to the show notes and you can find out more information about Steph and her journey around the world and Chris's top 10 tips for resilience. As always, thank you for your continued support. Take care and I'll see you on the next episode of Unlocked.